0: Hi everyone, welcome to the last episode in the first series of our Red Talks podcast. Can you believe it's the last one?
1: I know, it's absolutely crazy, but think about the amount of guests from such a range of industries that we've managed to pack into this series. Um... I've learned so much, and it's just been a real eye-opener in terms of kind of what drives people in their careers and the reasoning behind certain career choices. I don't know about yourself.
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting. Mm. As you say, all of the guests have been brilliant, Mm -hmm. Um, but don't worry, everyone will be back in a couple of months with more fantastic guests. We will. So watch this space. (laughs) And so today we're talking to the renowned tech entrepreneur, investor, and (laughs) scale-up consultant, Ross Tuffy. Renowned. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Ross. Thanks for coming on. Great to be here.
1: Hi, uh, yeah, it's uh, so nice to meet you. Thanks for making the journey into the studio today. I'm really excited for this chat. I don't know about you, Matt, but.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very exciting. Looking forward to it. No, no problem. So, yeah, so we obviously met relatively recently on another project of mine, um, a tech startup in the kind of private company valuation space. And you've obviously got fantastic hands on experience of setting up, scaling and exiting your own technology business. Um, and I know you have a real passion for supporting kind of young tech businesses, which is great. So I'm really keen to get under the bonnet and kind of understand what makes you, you tick. Yep.
1: But I guess like before we get into that chat, um, you've also recently launched your own podcast, founder.scot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yep.
1: So I really like the way that you're kind of likening it to launching um, a new technology product. And this is like your MVP. How is right. it going for you?
2: It's, it's going well. We've yeah. done five episodes so far. I mean, the purpose of it is really to try and drive and build a peer-to-peer network of founders mm. in Scotland or broader, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, set it up with the sense that um, there's a lot of podcasts out there where fairly renowned, well-known founders have, have kind of um, uh, g- give their message or their their experience. And, and often they're talking about 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm. And actually what I want to do is get the conversation going between people who are on their founding journey with people who are on and just starting their founding mm. journey, particularly in the technology space. So uh, so it's great fun. It's, it's interesting. The MVP, MVP piece is really <laughs> yeah. interesting because you know, you never get it right first time. No, uh, yeah. you have to pivot every so often. Mm. So I'm just, I'm just taking a little pause for a couple of weeks to go. You know, get some feedback, understand what the users. The, the audience think and then mm. go from there really so so it's good I'm enjoying it as well good
1: straight that's the main thing strange yeah. to be on the other side yeah. Of yeah. The I know remote, so. we've never had that experience either yeah. I can imagine it is quite bizarre but um, yeah. and what has the user feedback been like then have you had quite a bit of oh, it oh yeah yeah mm. quite a lot
2: people are, are fairly um, um, happy to give their, their feedback which is good mm. um, and and I always uh, throughout my life I've always invited feedback on you know uh, throughout meetings and yeah. mm-hmm. I was pr- quite privileged to to work for organisations like Diageo and Ernst & Young Young, where a lot of that kind of team building and feedback and it mm. comes through. Um, so actually, I've, I've asked a lot of people and they've come through and said, yeah, you know, you, you need to look at, uh, you know, don't have such a long intro uh, uh, it, get into the subject um, and lots of other things like that so it's been really helpful so feedback's important
1: it is important I'm just thinking as well our intro's quite long maybe we need to shorten ours who knows um, go and ask, go
2: and ask your yeah,
1: I think we need to be getting some user feedback too yeah. um, but I guess it's quite interesting because obviously you know you're getting that user feedback so you're learning from that but then you'll also be learning from each guest that you've had yeah. on your podcast oh, so
2: it's phenomenal I mean the people mm. I've you know, I'm very lucky to have connections into such a large number of people a large number of founders Mm -hmm. and most of those that i connect with uh, are really also very willing to give as well yeah because that peer-to-peer sharing is so important um and uh, i spent um 18 months on the hunter foundation scale up scotland program and uh 50% Fifty percent of the learning, you know, as well as we, we had a, a lot of input from some tremendous entrepreneurs um, across Scotland um, and, and wider. Mm-hmm. But actually, most of the feedback, fifty uh, percent of the feedback, was or fifty percent, of the learning was actually from the peers, the, the twenty companies on there. So, oh. so actually, you know, connecting with those organisations has been fantastic. And and even now, four years later, we've got a very vibrant WhatsApp group, which where people, you know, two or three times a week will be uh, asking questions of each other mm-hmm. and, and getting mm-hmm. advice etc so it's really important in, in, in the entrepreneur community to, to get that
0: set that up really so yeah absolutely yeah we um, should probably reach out to all the listeners and get some feedback as well to make sure we're we're doing things right and yeah. So yeah. on the end of this yeah, you know, we're at the end of this season so we'll, i'm sure we'll get some yeah. active stuff coming in
1: before season two exactly. definitely and i kind of also want you to know like how much Prep? Do you put into your podcast because you obviously you know the guests coming on, but how much do you know about them? Do you know more about certain guests than others? What, yeah, I, think, I mean,
2: the, the the three or four people I've spoken to uh, so far have been uh, I've known them I know them fairly well, and actually I think. I mean, I'm going to run out of people that I know really well <laughs> at some point, so I'm going to have to Us start. Was too, doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, I think it's really important that you get under the skin of why they're doing it. Mm. Um, if you know pretty much their motivations or start to understand the motivation, and it can draw that out. Because so what we're trying to do is draw out the nuggets that mm. other people will find useful. Um, and a lot of that is the motivation, what drives you, you know, the sense of achievement or, or whatever. So, so knowing something about your guests is is important, mm. um, mm-hmm. uh, and doing that. But it's not a case. To just reading their LinkedIn profile. It's yeah. really about kind of, you know, maybe sometimes I'll chat for 20 minutes half an hour before just to say you know uh, a few a week before or so just to say mm. let's talk what, what, what really do we want to cover here mm. and the other mm. thing is pick out get them to pick out specifics because um, I use a couple of phrases like um, if you were to write a book what would be its title and that really yeah. gets people uh, like thinking that. <laughs> That's yeah. it. It's, it can be amusing yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it can also be sort of you know it really gets them thinking about what drives them yeah. um, mm. so, so there's a few little things like that that I enjoyed yeah it's in it's great to find out and understand what people think you know so
0: that's good I mean that's a great question so can we put it back onto you then you've <laughs> 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 just given us oh, a fantastic oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, I, I had prepared that one <laughs> don't no, know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll you can think, think about, yeah, think exactly. about that one, yeah so exactly yeah. but, but no I mean you've obviously found with your podcast you've obviously found the real kind of gap in the market yeah. in terms of it's a great forum for like minded kind of founders yeah. and entrepreneurs to share their insights and so I think that's yeah. it's really really interesting mm. um, and actually going back to that point there you made around people People's motivation yeah, and why yeah. they do things. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I'm quite keen to understand. You've had a quite a varied career. Yeah. Um, you know what? What has been your motivation? Did you always have a passion for technology, kind of growing up, or is it, did you fall not, into it? Not or, at all. Or, so, not, talk no. through kind of you know when you were as a ki- you know when you were a kid, what were you like at school, what were you into, and then how have you kind of <laughs> how has that kind of morphed that entire journey. So
2: uh, looking back that far. um, So yeah, so so my early years, um, uh, I grew up in a family of four kids. So it's the usual merry mayhem of of, of family life and that sort of thing. Um, Mum and dad, um, my dad was a youth worker. Actually, that interestingly um, has influenced some stuff in later in life, um, but in the early days didn't really influence. And technology, well, technology when I was (laughs) young wasn't there wasn't a lot of technology.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <Never>. <laughs> and so um, so I grew up, and I, my first exposure to technology was probably at university when we had some um, fairly basic word processors, et cetera. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think we actually had BBC microcomputers it's oh, in yes. the sixth floor. So that was, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so nothing really, uh, and there was no entrepreneurial kind of thing. In fact, I was laughing the other day because I'm, I'm doing a bit of work at the moment around entrepreneurialism and, and entrepreneurial campuses, etc. Mm. But uh, particularly our universities, and I, I, I look back, and I don't think I knew what the word meant until I was yeah. about thirty-five. Mm. So wait, and the wow. part the reason for that was I spent my first twenty years uh, working for big corporates, uh, which I'm not saying are not entrepreneurial, but they have a different form of entrepreneurialism, yeah, mm. a very established and you know traditional and. and Large scale, mm. so so founding and uh, and even entrepreneurialism, which is an interesting subject in its own right, these things weren't necessarily big uh, big on my uh, on my agenda, if you mm. like. Um, so and it wasn't really until I um, so I worked for um, for Ernst and Young first to start off with. I was a trainee consultant, which is where I kind of learnt my trade of mm. you know um, uh, report writing, interview techniques, um, you know h- how to sort of structure things, etc. And that was really great training, and then. Spent twelve years at Diageo,
3: yeah. mm-hmm.
2: um, who are a tremendous company, very good at investing in people, and I think I benefited from that. So that yeah. that kind of career development through big corporates, I was lucky to get that level of, of, of investment. Yeah, and then took a redundancy package in two thousand and nine to set up my own company. By that yeah. stage, I decided that I didn't want to work for anyone else right. ever <laughs> <Again. Yeah. laughs> and uh, uh, and it was time to sort of go and do my own thing. And to be honest, I set up two or three different adventures, uh, one of which was Dogfish Mobile, which yeah. um, we grew um, over – my co-founder and myself grew mm-hmm. um, over uh, eight years or so from just two of us up to 40 people building software for mobile phones because actually in the day, <coughs> in 2009, the iPhone was two years old. Yeah, So 10% of people had iPhones or, or, mm. or smartphones, et cetera. And there was no, there was no understanding of the market – for um, mobile technology at that stage. Um, basically, developers were bedroom developers mm. who were building their own apps and putting them on the app store for, nine, for 79p, yeah. I think. Large corporates had no idea what the opportunity was. So we then spent two years, um, I guess, saying, why mobile to these people going mm. into these large corporates and saying, why, why you have to be bothered about this thing called mobile? Yeah. Um, and they were going, yeah, come can yeah. Ross, come on, Ten yeah. percent of people <laughs> it'll, it'll have got these things. It will never catch <laughs> on. Yeah. And how, so where are we now? We're like, so let's say that's 2009, so we're yeah. thirteen years later, and virtually everybody has a has a smartphone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um pretty much pretty much everyone. And it's been pervasive for that for many years. So uh, um, I did a I used to do a talk at um, Westminster University um, mm. for students and tourism and when I first started out I, every time I did it over five years I would say how many of you have got smartphones um and I got to the last one which is about 2016 and I said how many of you got smartphones and and 100% of the 50 yeah. or so students yeah. put their hands up and the young lad sitting in front of me went duh <laughs> as if I was stupid and I said hang yeah. on a minute." Now I asked this question five years ago, how many yeah. people do you think actually had it? And uh, 20% at that stage. So in five yeah. years, it went up wow. to That's become crazy. pervasive. So. So, yeah, so uh, career of a fairly varied. What's motivated me? Um, I, I kind of, I, I enjoy work. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes people find that a bit funny. Um, <laughs> and uh, I enjoy making a difference. I enjoy achieving things. Um, mm. I, I'm motivated by impact, really, mainly. Yeah. Um, and hence some of the work I've done in skills development, et cetera, yeah. over the last few years.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm motivated by profit as well. I yeah. mean, as, as an entrepreneur, I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, I think what you do with that profit is the big thing mm. and, and how you make it obviously, and, 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 how you enable others to
0: be part of that as well. Yeah. So. No, that's great. And, and I, I think for me, I mean, that was a great you know, journey you've had there and I'm quite interested in how, and I've asked this to other yeah. kind of guests on the pod, on our podcast over the past few episodes. How do you, how do you, did you scale that business from, you know, a couple of people to the business it became, and then you obviously sold it and there's a, big process there throughout the yeah. journey lots of learnings throughout that so i'd quite yeah. like to kind of yeah. get under the bonnet of that as well and and understand how you manage that yep. when where was that tipping point from a couple yeah. of you in, in the you know co-founders yeah. just in a room and then suddenly it became a much yeah. larger organization
2: so i founded with my brother-in-law paul who's a yeah. tremendous techie um yeah. uh, one mm. of the best techies i know um very very talented and so so we actually started out and we we kind of we said let's give it a go. Mm. It was literally to see if that's going to happen, yeah. if it's going to work or so. Um, we knew that there was a gap in the market, but we didn't really fully understand how the market wasn't ready yet. So, mm. so, so there's a lot of. Um, Relationship building to start off with and persuasion. So, so we did. I tapped into my um, my past contacts. I was yeah. you know, twenty years in big corporates. So I got quite a few contacts there. Yeah. So we tapped into um, existing relationships, yeah. and from there built relationships uh, out, if you like we made a fairly conscious decision early on because we were tackling a corporate market to find um, businesses that had multiple brands or multiple locations yeah. because with mobile, if you do it once with one brand, you can scale it out basically. Yeah. So there was a strategy there, which was, so we talked, we worked with Merlin entertainments. who have got all the theme parks yeah. and mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, and Two E travel, who've got, hundreds of brands basically yep. so so that was a, a strategic decision a conscious strategic decision um, but in terms of actually growing the business in the, in the first um, few years it was very much relationship driven so yeah. relationship selling so we weren't mm. we didn't have a sales function mm. so basically Paul did the technical stuff and I did everything else yeah. one of the best bits of advice somebody once gave me was if it arrives through the door in a brown envelope hand it off to somebody else <laughs> so, <laughs> which I thought was useful because yeah. yeah. you do do everything yeah. else as, as two of you you know you yeah. do everything mm-hmm. else um, uh, you, you can't uh, you have to cover everything um, we brought our first employee in after a year mm-hmm. um, who's now one of my um, closest friends and, uh, and business colleagues and he in his own right is a tech entrepreneur now as well yeah. um, digital nomad travels around the world which is interesting when you wow. look at uh, <laughs> how people prefer and choose to live yeah. their lives yeah. Um. Uh, and uh, and we slowly grew it from there. We, we concentrated on the technology first. Mm-hmm. We we're a software company. Um, probably to my detriment, I ignored user experience to start off with. Yeah, a very uh, a colleague of mine at the time who who spent two years trying to get into the business um, uh, persuade me that UX is a good a good role to, to yeah. have in the business. Yeah. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> and he was like, yes, it is. And he was completely right. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's a tremendous, yeah, his, his influence was, On really how we developed behavior change technology. Mm. So, technology Mm. that would effectively persuade people to form new habits or break old habits, et cetera. So, we did a lot of work for Public Health England on that. So, we were constantly looking for how do we differentiate ourselves? Mm. When we first started, we differentiated ourselves because we were working with big corporates and we knew how, I knew how technology operated in big corporates. Um, Not many mobile app developers at the time knew Mm. that. Mm. The big, the big boys, the, the big consultancies were nowhere near the space at that space time as well. Um, but uh, uh, as we, as we progressed, we, we, we realized that we needed to get a more formal sales techniques, mm. et cetera. So we grew the business, mainly technology. Then we brought in design and project management and, uh, uh, and then eventually brought in sales, et cetera. Yeah.
0: So. And, and, and at the beginning there, obviously it was kind of, you're looking at kind of early adopters now, this kind of mm-hmm. technology and, and, and yeah. What kind of pushback did you get? It kind of been that easy at that time. Oh, it was kind of a bit mm, yeah. dubious of the technology, and you know, how did that part go? Obviously, then I assume it took off once people got it. It kind of took off, but yeah. it would take a while to get through that initial barrier. You, need,
2: you needed, interestingly, CIOs were really interested, so yeah. chief information officers um, who had innovation in their veins rather mm. than just "we'll fix your, we'll make sure your computer yeah. running," mm-hmm. etc. So those companies that had very um, forward thinking CIOs, and particularly Tui travel at the time. Yeah. Um, worked very closely with those guys there. Mm. Um, they, they realized that they had to persuade their own brands. So it was almost we handed off that problem to right. to them. Um, so unless we had that pivotal relationship with the CIOs, we yeah. wouldn't get into Because a lot of the brands were, some brands were got it straight away. Mm. So, yeah. for example, Thought Park, um, it, the theme park, yeah. they, they literally said, we want to be the first theme park in Europe with an app. Yeah. And that was their, yeah. Excellent. This this was their well, big thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they got it. And but they also had quite a young team who I think yeah. enabled that. They at, got uh, it. Yeah. They got it exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but a lot of the, the old, the more senior, uh, traditional marketeers didn't get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, re- I remember mm-hmm. back in the days, uh, late Diageo, uh, uh, you know, when we were literally the first websites we, mm-hmm. we built within Diageo, which is where I came across my technology sort of, uh, career, if you like. Yeah. Uh, I engaged there. At that point, it was a marketing strategy, and then a tiny little digital strategy that marketing yeah. strategy that sort of bolted <laughs> yeah. Yeah. on the side as yeah. an afterthought. And now, of course, it's completely the opposite. Yeah. So you do need an educated customer,
3: mm. um,
2: and if the customer's not educated, you've
0: got to educate them. So, yeah. um, so that was that was uh, always a challenge. Really, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. and, and talking about challenges, then, so in terms of pivotal moments throughout that, obviously at the beginning, yeah. startup. But what were the key pivotal moments for that business as it grew for um, you?
2: yeah I think I think we, we um, I guess there was a couple of other moments the, the UX one that i mentioned was really important yeah. um, mm-hmm. and that enabled us to crack in, uh, and, and open a relationship with um, public health England yeah. um, and that's really where impact sort of showed itself. So that yeah. that's where we, we realized that we knew how to use this thing that is pervasive in your life 24 seven, mm. you know, to actually change habits for good. So I think yeah. that's, there was a, there was a pivotal decision around bringing in strong UX capability. Okay. Um, early days, the decisions were collaborate or kind of not collaborate. And and I am a massive believer that businesses need to collaborate. Yes. Um, you need to be, um, uh, very open and honest with your partners as to who's responsible for what. Yeah. Um, but collaboration is a really, really key part of uh, uh, of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we made a pivotal decision to be very multicultural, and we've ended up opening a, uh, an office in India, in Mumbai. Um, we knew that there was tremendous talent in India mm-hmm. or, uh, outside of the UK, mm-hmm. um, and possibly moving at a faster rate than we were in the UK mm. um, so we we, we, put, we set up a, a small team in Mumbai which was which was good and challenging as well because it's setting up an overseas office is not, never yeah. easy so yeah, that's, that was good um, so yeah it's, it's um, and I guess the pivotal decision of, of selling as
3: well yeah
2: that was uh, that kind of crept up on us and um, mm. one of our customers um, insights um, so that's a tremendous organisation I've actually known since my diagio day so i'd known them oh. for 15 years before 10 15 years or so yeah. before and um, they um, they approached us and said we'd like to um, you know buy you and an effectively form a technology wing within our our group if you yeah. like
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and we were kind of just ready at that point we 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 kind of got to a point where we'd achieve what we wanted to achieve um, but we were and we b- all, we both wanted to go and do our own thing, if yeah. you like, um, n- n- not negatively, positively. You know, we mm. we felt really good about where we were. Um, and the business was also in a state that it could progress. It needed other input to yeah.
0: progress further. And we, we realized that. So. so for context, and how big was the business kind of when you sold it? Rusty so sold it, it? it was 40 people. Right.
2: Um, most of those were developers. Yeah. Um, uh the sort of I, don't know, I say about sixty percent of the yeah. developers, but mm. a mixture of uh, project managers and uh, and sales and uh, uh, and UX etc. Okay, um, and we were turning over probably around about two and a half million something right. like that at the time. Excellent. So yeah, yeah. so re- reasonable size, yeah. um, strong pipeline, yeah. strong relationships. Mm-hmm. But it was really I, I kind of I kind of thought, well, yeah, lots of ticks and boxes done, mm. and, and 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 the team that we had were tremendous. In fact, one of the best parts of that of of doing this was the the people that I worked with they're just tremendous people Uh, and they they didn't need Paul and I to continue to lead them they could uh, there was opportunity further opportunity by you know uh, taking on other leadership so so, Yeah. yeah
0: Okay, and and I suppose that takes me on kind of quite nicely to the, the my next question around that process. Obviously, mm. so this was this the first business that you got sold. to that to yeah. that you sold, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah the, in yeah. terms of that experience for you, then did yeah. you work with was it a broker an investment bank that you worked
2: with um, at the time? No, we we, went, we were approached directly by okay. the client. Right, okay. So okay. Um, in hindsight, um, if we were. Actively out there to sell, what yeah. we weren't. Yeah. Probably would have gone through the route that you yeah, yeah. sort of started to describe there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the client um, and the offer was reasonable. It wasn't, yeah. you know, earth shattering or whatever. But it was enough for what we thought. We, we agree yeah. with the valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's an it's an interesting process. Um,
0: yeah. All the due diligence. Um, I'm going uh, through there. <laughs> I mean,
2: my ops director, um, uh, he Simon. Uh, I just said to him, "You kind of." You're going to need to pull this together. Mm-hmm. Um, it t- t- basically, took him out of the business for about four months or so, which was an impact on the business. But he's he's a tremendously capable guy. So um, he uh, he ran the kind of due diligence side of things. Uh, the negotiation we were we had some lawyers. We used Thornton's in um, in Dundee, who are fantastic, really yeah. really good, and they were very much um, guided us through the process. Yeah. If you like, um, I think in hindsight, if if I was looking at extracting the maximum value from the company then, which wasn't the motivation to sell, if you like. <laughs> so yeah. It was a yeah. different motivation. But then I would have certainly organised some sort of beauty parade of, of, mm. of that. Mm. Um, but uh, that may have kept us in the business for a couple of years longer than than we probably wanted to. So, uh, um, But it took about... Took about eight months or so to do from start to finish. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a hard gig. It's it's not an easy thing to sell a business. It's um, uh, there's a lot of negotiation, um, yeah. but you need good advisors, really good advisors around you, and you need to talk to people who've done it before. So I mm. tapped into mm. people that have done it before and and got a bit of a head start on it. So uh, tapped
0: into that network of yours to uh, help. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that <sounds> good. <laughs>
0: yeah. So.
1: And so moving on, I guess, so you sold Dogfish um, and now you're involved in a myriad of projects. So yeah. one of those being coaching founders to realize their own vision, which yeah. must be really rewarding yeah. because you've basically you've kind of come full circle. So, you know, you realized your own vision with your yeah. business and then now you're enabling others to do the same. Yeah. So how does that feeling kind of compare?
2: Oh, that's, that's great. I, I really enjoy it. I, I get a yeah. lot out of coaching and mm. helping others to achieve their vision um, sounds a little bit kind of coy or whatever, or the, or whatever <laughs> no. the word is yeah. but it's um it is uh, we've got a massive opportunity in Scotland um, mm-hmm. and it's a really interesting time in technology um, we have uh, a government that's that understands the opportunity. And despite the um, the, you know, the challenges of finances at the moment, there's money moving into the tech sector. Mm-hmm. But we've also got tremendous talent coming out of our schools. Um, there's more we can do. There's a huge amount more that we can do. Um, but actually... Um, Working at all stages, whether it's with youngsters at schools, mm. um, I've done quite a lot of work with, with young people in schools or um, through into universities in terms of how can we create an entrepreneurial campus, how can we be more entrepreneurial in, 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 and encourage students to look at uh, entrepreneurism as, as a career. Yeah. That's a whole facet of a, a big area to look at. Um, right the way into then working with individual companies. And, and I, I tend to work with I like working with people who are purpose-driven. Mm. Um, purpose-driven businesses are better. They will go further. They yeah. will be more profitable. I mean, it's, there's there's research out there that, that, that supports that. Um, and it, and for me, somebody who's purpose-driven has got to, you know, they want to go and change something. They want mm. to make a difference is, is really important. So actually just working with those sorts of people is in itself rewarding sort of thing. Mm. Um, and it's actually one of the things I've realized with founder.scott is, many founders don't realize what they know and what they can hand on to the to other founders or yeah, advise. Yeah. They're so caught up in their, um, in their day to day. And it is, you know, you will never work harder if you're founding a business. Mm. Um, you will never have more, <laughs> uh, less, more sleepless, sleepless nights. That. <laughs> Cause it's, it literally is, you've got to pay the wages. You've got to mm. have things going. It's your responsibility. Yeah. You're, you're answerable to no one but yourself really. Um, but, to be able to pull those founders out of that for a few minutes and say to them, you know, you've got something to tell other people here, and that's a real truism. Working with founders who um, the people I work with on a more one-to-one basis, um, if they're purpose-driven and if they are, um, if they listen as well, there's a bit of advice I got from a mentor of mine, which about coaching and, um, mm-hmm. and that is the other person got to listen, and that sounds a little bit arrogant. That I'm not saying I'm right all the time, but if they aren't listening and at least considering what you're saying, mm-hmm. then they really aren't the right people. They're not in the right space to be coached or to be yeah. um, mentored or whatever. So um, so I think it's – it's it, and, and I've been privileged to work with a number of founders who do listen. I've mm-hmm. worked with some that don't or did for a while and then decided not to and went <laughs> their own way, you know, with varying levels of success. I'm not saying yeah. they're right all the time because I don't. But um, I have a different – I have an opinion that is worth listening to but, and then filtering and deciding whether it's the right opinion for 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 them or whatever so
1: Ah, That's interesting. And just yesterday, we were recording a different podcast um, and we were chatting a bit about kind of, you know, around having a mentor as a business owner, because yeah. it can be quite lonely. So, and you yeah. mentioned yourself about different mentors that you've had over yeah. the years. Yeah. Do you still have a mentor now whilst you're also mentoring?
2: Yeah, I do. I, do. Yeah? I don't speak to him as much as I could or <laughs> should, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a guy who employed me um, uh, at, um, originally at uh, First Choice, which was um, t- eventually TUI, mm. um, just to Tremendous people person. He's a real and a tremendous marketeer and and a great counsel. So so that yeah. kind of that established the, my sort of understanding of the importance of advisors. Um, so uh, and and I also have many other people that I speak to um, on more. On specific areas, mm. I've got a very good friend who's uh, uh, incredibly good at finance. So, his, uh, so if I ever look at you know f- in financing a company or whatever, then I will go to Mark and talk to mm. him. So I'm very lucky that I know a number of people, and and that's kind of what we're trying to do: is build um, build the the knowledge that having advisors is important. I think any most young startup companies can't. Th- think it's going to cost money to get advisors? It doesn't. Yeah. You just got to you've got to find the right one, and there's a lot of people out there who will give you that advice um, uh, for free for, as long as it's you know it, it's timely and you can you don't take too much of their time. Mm-hmm. So it's that go out and be hungry for advice as a, as a founder, and there is advice out there. So, um, but then eventually, you know you. As you form a scaling company, then having a board of advisors is really important. Really important because nobody knows everything. No. <laughs> yeah. um, and if you get the right people, um, I, I'm on the. Um, I'm a non-exec on Max Adventure, Glasgow-based uh, um, um, a company with self-guided uh, walking and, and cycling holidays. Yeah. Tremendous company, yeah. um, mm-hmm. uh, Neil, the chief exec, um, is 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 really. Uh, he, he understands the industry. He knows. His product. He's passionate about his people, Um, and he realizes the value of having a board and his board in around him—an advisory board. Um, And it's a privilege to be part of that, really, to be able to provide thoughts and knowledge um, uh, to people who are really driven and and want to achieve. So, uh, so yeah. So, so I think advisors and mentors is is something that any founder should look look to. Mm Co-founding versus solo founding. Um, yeah. Co founding, I, I would always advise co founding if you can. Mm. It's a very low, you mentioned it's a very lonely job. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. tremendously lonely.
1: And obviously, so. co founding worked well for you. So yes. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: I, and I, 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 but I am naturally um, an extrovert as well. So I, mm. so, you know, I get my energy from people around me. So yeah. it's, even if you're an introvert, it's worth having a co founder. It's, it's mm. because you'll get that kind of, there's always a point in your time where you're just, your head in, is it in your hands and you're going, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what am I going to do? And you need somebody. You need somebody yeah, there.
1: So we'll yeah. find the advisors around you. you know, so. mm. Mm. And just taking it back a little bit, obviously you touched upon um, working a lot with uh, with youth and younger people. Yeah. Um, and that must be really rewarding work too. Um, what is it that you kind of do exactly? Like how are you helping younger people to get a start in life?
2: Um, so, so, I mean, I mentioned my, my father and youth work. Yes. Um, and, and actually, I probably didn't realise this until maybe, a, I don't know, three three or four years ago, mm. uh, that there was an inf- influence from him. He spent many years working um, with young people in youth youth service. When youth services were were funded, which they need to be again, mm. anyway, um, another subject. But I think um, I, I, I was contacted um, very early days of Diagea, uh, sorry, of um, Dogfish by um, uh, Calder Glen School, East Kilbride, and they saw all that we launched this app and they said, would you come and talk to the young people in the school Mm -hmm. about building an app and Mm -hmm. we ran a Dragon's Den kind of thing for them and I suddenly realised that there's massive innovation creativity about within the young I yeah. realized I should have, I realized it anyway but I, I saw it <laughs> uh-huh. if you like in first hand yeah. um, and these are these are youngsters of the age of you know 13 14 12 13 14 and they were coming up with phenomenally great ideas for apps mm. and and really practical ideas as well and, yeah. and and very important ideas for themselves you know their generation um, and so so I think uh, that kind of I realized as I was building dogfish that Digital skills are really important. So getting involved with um, Skills Development Scotland, I chair their Skills uh, digital economy skills group. Uh, it's really important that we invest in our young young people mm-hmm. um, and support them in terms of potential careers and potential, and it's not to say you know, pigeonhole them or, or, or channel them, but give them the, 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 the kind of insights as to what is out there and what's yeah. possible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and anything from you know, digital technologies, which we need more and more um, uh, individuals uh, from designers to um, to developers to data people, et cetera. We, it's so important that we we invest in that space. so mm. um, so yeah, so I'm really um. Uh, skills development is one of my my bags, if you like. Um, yeah. And uh and, and I guess more recently I've been looking more at the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial side of skills and how do we how do we encourage creativity, mm-hmm. innovation, problem solving in young people with the thought that they may move into an entrepreneurial career. Yeah. Um, and I think I think our economy is it's going to rely on that. It's going to. It's going to need it needs that. And we, if you look mm-hmm. at things like places like MIT and Stanford and uh, in the states and other universities around around uh, Europe, there's mm-hmm. tremendous ecosystems yeah. that are built up around them. Can you imagine that in Scotland, yeah. or Glasgow, be or wherever? Yeah. It would just transform our economy, yeah. and that's what we need to get to. They've taken 50 years to get there. We yeah. don't have 50 years to get there. No, no exactly. <laughs> no.
1: Exactly. And I think it's great that you you know you're making people aware of these opportunities as well, and that there's things like this out there. Because mm. even just, you know, from my own um, kind of perspective, yeah. um, the school that I went to, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Argyll and yeah. Butte, but it was, you yeah. know, kind of lived in a rural Scottish Glen. And when when I was at school, it was very much kind of you, either you went to university or you maybe got an apprenticeship. You know, yeah. there was a lot of like big construction industry yeah. there. Yep. And that was kind of the only two options available. And obviously, I didn't really want to become a builder. So it was like, right, <laughs> hey, Megan, you're going to university. And I remember yeah. sitting down with my advisor and it was just, <clears> okay, so which course are you booking on to? And that was it. and I didn't want to leave school and go straight to university so I took a year out and I op and I travelled a bit but then I I went to university and I mean I enjoyed my degree but it wasn't a real passion or you know something that I'd Really, what, what did you do? I did English lit. so I, I was doing French initially, which yeah. I hated. So I changed to English, and I, I, like I said, I loved my degree, but um, yeah. it's not, I'm not doing anything to do with my degree now, I'm not yeah. utilizing that. And I often think, actually, maybe maybe I'd have really enjoyed an apprenticeship in journalism or the media, yeah. but those options weren't even really explored or available. So I think it's just it, great that you're making young people aware that there's lots of choices out there, you don't have to it's, follow it's, the traditional path.
2: Yeah, I, I mm. did a, a chat um, uh, a few years ago to a group of 15 year olds um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a school. And the teachers asked me to talk about my career and I did a yeah. sort of 10, 15 chat and I've walked through from univer- from school all the way through to where I was now. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I realized as I was talking, as literally as I was articulating this, that I'd never made a decision about moving careers, moving jobs. Uh, so, First of all, i would moved careers two or three times and mm-hmm. moving jobs... Three months before I actually moved. So actually, planning a career is, is is it's about getting the skills, the meta skills, the underpinning skills that allow you to be broad in terms of mm-hmm. what you do. But you know, don't, a career is not for life. A yeah. career yeah. In, in today's society, you can move careers very very quickly. And, mm-hmm. and how you get there, multiple pathways, flexible pathways mm-hmm. are tremendously important. And you talked about it was either an apprenticeship or a, a university degree. Yeah, actually, you can do an apprenticeship. At university now yes. yeah. so you've got mm-hmm. the um, and particularly in technology you've got mm-hmm. some amazing opportunities Any, anyone who's looking at to do a digital or technology apprenticeship sorry a technology career and go to university the first mm-hmm. thing you should do look at its te- tech apprenticeships mm-hmm. because you're employed by a business you're paid mm-hmm. so you've got a job you don't have to go and find a bar job or yeah. whatever during the summer or the evenings or whatever um, and and at the end of it you will be employed by that company very rarely do you you not employed yeah. you, you pretty much mm-hmm. and so so the you know if you look at te- tech apprenticeships um in terms of um uh graduate apprenticeships mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer it's Definitely. an absolute yeah. no-brainer so so there are multiple pathways for young young people to get into technology um or in, indeed other groups. apprenticeships are not about building and plumbing anymore no. <laughs> no, they are then they're, they're, they're very important traits i'm yeah. not i'm not mm-hmm. that um and i think one of the challenges we've got is the the number of frameworks that we've got around apprenticeships, particularly graduate apprenticeships, is too narrow. Mm-hmm. We need to expand it out so that we get more um, opportunities for people to pursue uh, more niche paths. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think that's really, uh, you know, government and universities uh, or colleges. I mean, the college the college systems are tremendous in Scotland as well. There's yeah. a lot of great mm-hmm. colleges,
0: so it's about yeah. building that kind of pipeline as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put the, T- technology industry yeah. in scotland yeah. you want to have that kind of talent coming through and yeah. building a, a, yeah. a pathway and a career mm-hmm. kind of absolutely for them. yeah
2: the, um, if you look at um i'm going to get the dates wrong but my my <laughs> young my youngest daughter so she's now 18 but she um she was choosing her options um at the point um where we were employing um developers straight out of university for Mm -hmm. iPhone, iOS developers at about 30 plus grand, right? So literally Mm -hmm. coming straight out of university, straight into a job about 30, and that's in Scotland. In London, it's another five to 10K more easily. In fact, it's a lot more than that now.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So she was choosing her options for what she would be doing in eight years' time, right? Mm -hmm. Because she would be graduating roughly eight years, hence to that, right? At that point, the iPhone was eight years Mm -hmm. years old, basically Mm -hmm. less than eight years old. When we, you know, eight years before that, there was no such thing as an iOS developer. Yeah. So -hmm. that 30 grand straight out of university job didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we know that 50% of the jobs that are out there which will be out there, don't exist at yeah, the moment. That's really and that's part of what we need to do is to educate our young people in terms of what the potential is. And a, part of that is getting to understand what the meta skills
0: underneath that they need, mm-hmm. which will allow them to be flexible to take yeah. advantage of those careers as they come. So. And obviously mm-hmm. we recruit into the tech space as yes. well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for us watching that development, well, you've seen, you must have see seen it, it, it firsthand, yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. yeah. And So, it's no, it's really interesting. And, and you know, the market has been mad lately for ah, it's for crazy at the people. moment mm-hmm. I mean the
2: senior developers in the last couple of years 20% plus pay rises yeah. at least yeah. um, it's, it's actually causing it's, it's great if you're going to be a developer yeah. but yeah. it's actually causing a lot of issues around is. the SME marketplace because mm-hmm. they SMEs small medium sized enterprises can't afford now to yeah. um, employ the developers yeah. they need and
0: innovation comes from SMEs basically yeah. and we are They're kind of pricing l- themselves out of the, that kind yeah, of market Absolutely, yeah. most mm-hmm. kind of interesting but the bigger opportunities are there within these kind of startups ultimately. and
2: that's that's by been driven it's been driven by um, I mean COVID partly and remote working yeah. so we have got many people many great developers in Scotland working now for Silicon Valley companies yeah. based mm-hmm. in Scotland yeah. now. Um, and the ACWA hiring of some of the big tech companies they've effectively bought other companies mm. and mm-hmm. inflated the salaries of those companies up there, so, so what? It's, it's it's a real worry at the moment because um, you know, it, I mean, it's great on one hand. Because you've got very highly well employed people, who've well paid people. Mm.
0: But the gap in that, that SME mm. space is, mm-hmm. is becoming quite critical now. So. I mean, we're definitely seeing that. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Um, But I suppose just moving on slightly from that as well, you know, you're also an investor yourself. Yeah. Mm. Um, so all of this kind of feeds into the wider market and investment yep. in Scotland and you're yep. very plugged into that kind of yep. in- investment group within Scotland. You know, um Have you got any kind of tips for people that might be for startups that are out there at the moment that might be looking for investment? How do they kind of stand out from the crowd? There's a lot. As we know, the market is quite buoyant. There's a lot of startups out there within the technology space. Obviously, there's struggles around kind of finding yeah. the right people there. But if as an investor for you, you know, what what makes people stand out? I think I mean,
2: as a as a as a founding team, you've got to be able to go out there and build relationships. So that's the first thing you've got to yeah. go out looking. It's, they're not going to come to you. You got to make, make yourself known.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, I think if you, uh, there are, there's, there's, there's certain, there's a lot of incubators out. there. There's a lot of facilities that, investors tend to congregate around so Mm. getting part of if you're if you've got a business that you're early stage and you want to scale it then getting into some of these incubators and and accelerators is really important because not only will they provide you with a broad set of 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 inputs to to build skills Mm. but also connections into um, into the uh, investor marketplace Um, I mean I do a lot of work with CivTech um, which is uh, the government's incubator for for GovTech Mm. Um, that is you know expanding and scaling and mm. and that's a very much for, for for investors that's a really interesting place to work partly because there's been a sort of a, a curation of those companies to get into these these yeah. incubators so therefore some of the work is done not saying that everyone goes into an incubator or scale or an accelerator is is going to scale mm. you know um i think i think the other thing is show your ambition mm. it's really important i mean we as a nation we tend to be not quite as ambitious as we could be yeah. um, and arguably I mean if you look at our history then there's a lot of um, achievement in technology that we've uh, over the years that we've had but we need to re-establish that um, and uh, so so go out there and talk about your ambition and don't underplay it basically mm. don't you know be realistic in the sense that you know if it's you've got to have an idea that people can relate to yeah. but, mm. um, um, I think no Know your numbers is another one as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, it, this is just because it's a good idea doesn't make it a a, a financially viable yeah. commercial, volatile, yeah, commercial yeah. reality. Exactly. Yeah. So, so know your numbers. Um, and uh, I know you know some of the most uh, successful founders I know have uh, just are all over the business. They completely understand the business. Um, yeah. And I guess the other thing is. It's the team. Um, you, yeah. you, you need to show that you've got the team or potential for the team, because yeah. if you're an early stage, you're going to obviously grow that team. Um, and the investors will look at the, 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 the founding team. Yeah. And if you don't have – the right people in there or if you've got people who don't fit the vision going forward and then I think that's that, that's that's a problem so, so make sure you've got the right team yeah. around you yeah. sort of Is
0: that not quite common though among kind of the tech startup world where you've got some tech guys you know behind the scenes who are used to be, you know, developing these awesome apps, but yep. then they're out in front of investors and having yep. to pitch, yep. you know, and, and having yep. to be all over it. And is that, uh, do you see that
2: it, a lot? I do. I do. And I think there's two sides to that coin. That's, so there's, that technical founder is really important, yeah. vital to the business. So, um, and, but that doesn't necessarily mean they are the CEO or yeah. the person who pitched. They need to be involved in the pitch mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they know the stuff. They, <clears throat> yeah. they are the, um, the, the brains. It's the, it's the classic Steve Jobs, um, yes. Wozniak kind of, kind yeah. of conversation. Uh, Steve couldn't done it. Wasn't you know, actually. So, so uh, and vice versa. So you need to be realistic. I've seen a lot of tech, tech um, founders try to pitch. Um, that's not to say they can't pitch. I mean, mm-hmm. I know one particular guy who's very very technical. Mm-hmm. Who in I, I saw five years ago who couldn't pitch, and I've just mm-hmm. sat and watched him. In fact, I've just invested in his company because yeah. he's he's just. Just he's he's realised he needed to evolve that capability, and mm. it's a joy to see it because he's this phenomenal individual, mm. you know. So, so yeah. So I think there's. Um, uh, yeah, I'm a real believer in uh, in the you know the, the tech founder being really key and critical within the organisation and supported by the, the the investment that comes in and, mm. and, and the team around them. So, so yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's great. And I think um, so one piece of one some, something that I like to ask everyone kind of towards yep. the end of the chat is. Obviously, you've touched on this quite a bit anyway, yeah. talking about, you know, how you're helping the younger people like, get a start in life um, yeah. showing them the different opportunities out there. But what kind of one piece of advice would you give to a young person starting out?
2: Go and talk to people, go out yeah. there and connect with people, mm. <clears throat> people. And, and when you if you're looking for a job, don't go mm. and ask for a job, go and ask for advice. Yeah. About getting a job, yeah, and then suddenly that conversation is very is very different than because can I have a job? No, because mm. I, I don't <laughs> have, can you tell me about how you get a job in your sector mm. uh, and uh, tell me more about it. And then you engage, and that engagement is that relationship. It's it's life is about relationships. Um, mm. If you as an individual you struggle to um, communicate and do that, then then try and you know work with people to help you improve your communication. It's not it's not a brick. You know, it's not a barrier. It's not complete. Barry, if you can't mm. communicate, there are the, some people would like to work with a head down, etc. But, but I think you know, talk to people, get get advice from others, um, and open open your perspective of what life is about. You mentioned mm. you took a year out and travelled, yeah, right. Uh, I'm a massive believer in in in, in going and. Stepping outside your community, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it's the next town, the next city, yeah. you know, England, whatever, or further afield and go and experience something that's different. Because mm-hmm. the broader you are in terms of your knowledge of, of society um, and other people's views and opinions, the, the, more, um, uh, the more you can form a view of what direction you want to go and also mm-hmm. articulate a discussion, and argument or whatever, you know, about what, what, you, know, what you believe in as well. So yeah. so, yeah, get out there and talk to some people.
1: <laughs> I like that and obviously you've you've talked to yourself during this podcast about how you've really drawn from your own network yeah. um, which you've built up over the years so you're kind of putting it into practice yourself there and showing yes. that it really does work so does. <laughs> excellent piece of advice thanks I'm actually I feel really lucky over the past <laughs> five episodes I've just got so many different pieces of advice uh, now
3: I, I should have like written them
1: all down or something I'll go back and listen yeah, to each exactly. episode write them down exactly. a little book yeah. and yeah. yeah live by it but yeah. no that's great um, and I guess just to kind of tie it all together together mm-hmm. um you've you know you're very entrepreneurial you've uh done so many different things over your very varied career but what's next for you <laughs> <laughs> the it was all
2: top secret mm. uh, no, no, no i'm really enjoying um the portfolio i've got um mm-hmm. uh i i think you know continuing to support over the next you know i, I don't see myself ever retiring so mm. I'm really? I, really? i've got many years ahead of me i really enjoy what i do mm. um I think there's some opportunity in this space of uh, universities and entrepreneurialism. I think that's. I think if you look at the next five years, I'd love to see a real shift in that in terms of mm-hmm. how do we help our universities to be more entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. maintain the, the the leadership that they have in terms of research and innovation, etc. But how do we convert that and the student population? How do we support them in? Uh, so that that would be a a real passion and a real drive of mine um, mm-hmm. over the next uh, few years. But but having said that, I'm a keen motorcyclist as well. I, I yeah. like travelling on my motorcycle, so getting out there and seeing a few countries now that things are opening up a bit again is a good thing. So that balance between work and non-work, I won't say pleasure because actually work is pleasure. <laughs> yeah. <so>. yeah, you <laughs> said like, yeah. work yeah. is yeah. pleasure, which yeah. is
1: fantastic. Um, yeah. And you got to drive you on your motorbike today as well. Did. So Yeah, yeah. Outside, so <laughs> Good it's opportunity. Somebody yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: said to me once, um, if you enjoy your work, then you'll never work a day Again yeah. in your life, and I think that's a really mm-hmm. important thing to remember. Find something you enjoy. Another piece of advice for younger people: work out what you're good at and you enjoy, mm. and go and do what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Don't feel that you're going to be channeled into something you don't enjoy. If you don't enjoy
0: it, don't do it. Move
1: into yeah. sort of
2: another another area. So great piece of advice
1: it is
0: perfect all right well I think we can wrap it up there and thanks mm. you know thanks so much for coming on that was all really really, really
2: interesting it's been really great talking to you guys really fun and interesting so thank you very much for the opportunity thanks. thanks a lot Ross
1: and I guess that's our kind of final episode coming to a close and I just wanted to say before we leave happy birthday Matt I oh, won't yes, <laughs> I won't <laughs> oh, um, deafen all oh, of the up. listeners by singing down the mic here but yes happy birthday what a great oh, day to you. end Bye, on Oh
0: yeah! No, absolutely. thank you very happy much birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I should be celebrating later yeah <laughs>
1: thanks for listening to our red talks podcast please like share and subscribe